May God's word only be spoken and may God's word only be heard. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning. So in the readings this morning, there's lots of stuff happening up on holy hills. I feel like maybe we need to go walk to the crest up this wooded hill so that we can have a transformative experience as well as we hear in our psalm about a holy hill, a holy mountain from Peter, from Matthew, lots of stuff happening up on a hill. Um, This is the Sunday where we prepare to um, let this ordinary time of uh, this time after Epiphany go. Um, This is the last Sunday before Lent begins. And every year on this Sunday, we talk about the transfiguration of Jesus, um, about this holy, holy time and and pointing to um, the holiness and the divinity of Jesus um, that becomes more and more apparent to the people around Jesus. Because in those moments of like, this intersection with the divine, the disciples see God. They, they see this glimpse of what God is and what God is like. And what it brings up for me is sometimes it's hard for us to see God, right? Like in the moment, we so want to see God and don't always see God as we think we could or should. Um, and maybe what are we doing to seek God on a daily basis? which reminded me of a story. Um, Y'all are still getting to know me, so sometimes it's kind of fun for me to tell you stories about um, my journey and what has drawn me closer to God and the people around me as well. Um, So in thinking about where do we see God and like sometimes we can't find God, um, my family and I moved to Texas for me to go to seminary and my husband's job is movable, so he said, I'll go where you want to go. So we moved to Texas and um, took with us our daughter, wouldn't leave her behind, and also brought along our dogs. We had two dogs. Betty uh, was a senior citizen dog who had found Sam many years before. She was a black dog, probably a pit bull, Staffordshire Terrier um, kind of dog that sometimes people would try to get away from because she looked kind of mean, but she had a heart of gold. Betty had shown up at Sam's house before I met him. He was living in the country, and she appeared at his country house. And she had been fought. She had wounds down to the bone. She was emaciated. She was smelly. And she chose him. Um, Sam at that time was, have, was in a hard part of, of where he was in his life. And Betty, the dog, brought Sam a lot of healing and hope and restoration, changing him. And I would say that he brought a lot of those same qualities to her life, embracing her. And then I came into the picture as well. So these solitary lives of these two beings became transformed. And so when we moved to Texas, Betty came with us and she was, we don't even know how old she was. She was probably 13. Um, and she just had declining health. And so we had only been there a matter of days, and we realized that 
she was in so much pain and medicine wasn't helping. So Sam took her, we found a vet, and Sam took her to have her put down. Um, so Josephine was three at the time, our daughter was three, and so we told her that, that Betty had, had died, but it, it didn't connect. That was Josephine's first touch with, with death. Um, so at the seminary, there's chapel every day and every evening, and so on Thursday nights, it's a family Eucharist. And so that, that Thursday night after Betty died, we were at chapel, and Josephine was, of course, talking during church, which... That's why I sit up here, so I don't talk during church. Um, so Josephine was talking and said, well, wait, now, where is Betty? And we said, well, Betty died, and so now she is with God. And Josephine said, but I can't see God. <sighs> That's hard, right? Clearly, we had not planned out our conversation about death very well. Josephine still was left with questions, but, like, I cannot see God. And then she said, well... I think God lives in Birmingham. <laughs> but we come up with those, well, maybe God is here. Maybe God is there. Where is God? Three-year-olds ask it, and 93-year-olds ask it. So today in our readings, we hear stories of these people trying to be faithful, seeking God. And when they seek God, they experience the radius, the radiance, and the power that's present when we cross paths with God. We hear about it in Exodus, right? So Moses has gone up on the mountain, and this godly cloud surrounds him on the hill. And while he's in conference with Yahweh for this 40 days and 40 nights, God tells Moses to report back to the people about the gifts God desires. God doesn't simply want offerings given to say sorry. God wants these deep, meaningful gifts and then also tells Moses about the fittings and fixtures that could be included in a tabernacle, this house, this shelter for God to come and dwell among the, the Israelites. And so he goes back down the mountain and tells the folks, in the following chapters, we don't read all of that because in our lectionary, we don't have to sit here all day and read the Bible. But if you're curious, you could continue on after chapter 24 and hear about those specific instructions on how to assemble a tabernacle. Creating that home for God to rest in a space for these early Hebrew people to pray, to praise, and to repent. And so the people in unison said, yes, we want to do that. We want to be faithful to Yahweh. But they needed those details. They needed those directions and patterns to follow so that they could seek God daily. We need a pattern. And so Moses models for the Israelites and for us this faithfulness to present himself before God intentionally listening and setting himself apart from the distractions and demands of that nomadic life, right? I mean, we have it written here. He says, until we come to you again, for Aaron and her are with you. Whoever has a dispute may go to them, right? That's his out-of-office response. If you have issues, go to my brother Aaron. He'll fix your problems. I've got to go to the mountain. I'm setting myself apart intentionally to be with God. 
you know, if we wanted to just add another reading to the readings today, we could have a reading from 1 Kings and hear about the prophet Elijah, who went into the wilderness up on Mount Horeb for 40 days and 40 nights. Hear a pattern here, right? Up on a holy mountain, set apart for a certain amount of time. Elijah prayed and reflected, and divine revelation occurred for him too through words, through movement, and through prophecy. And so then we go to our gospel for today. So surely Peter and James and John, as they set out with Jesus, have no idea what was teed up for them that day as they go out for a hike up the mountain with their buddy Jesus. See, it had been a stressful week for Jesus and the disciples. Jesus had called out Peter. When Peter had objected to the news, Jesus had said, that he might be persecuted and killed. Remember, Peter says, no, Lord, that cannot be so. And Jesus responds, get behind me, Satan. Right. A little bit of stress in that friendship. Um, and so there were a lot of emotions maybe going on as six days have passed. And so when Jesus says, hey, y'all, come walk with me up this, this mountain, get your walking feet on, um, the followers of Jesus would have had to leave behind their own wants that day, right? Their own needs and to follow Jesus. So once up on that mountain, the divinity in that space becomes very apparent, right? Jesus' face shines like the sun and his clothes are glowing in white light. And it doesn't just stop there. Like the glowing in white light is pretty fantastic in and of itself because like back in this day, they had no Clorox. So it's a dusty, dusty day. So you pick up all kinds of gradu, right? Like, I mean, I'm not glowing white because I haven't Cloroxed this thing, but you know, Jesus was in a dazzling white, as pure as white light. So that's pretty fantastic in and of itself. But then... This perception of Peter and James and John shifts so that they are now aware of these Hebrew mega celebrities. We have Moses and Elijah now talking to Jesus. So they know exactly who these two extra people are who didn't walk up the mountain with them. And so Peter, kind of starstruck, says, hey, Jesus, if you want me to, like, I could build some tents for y'all to hang out. But it's not in a disrespectful way. He says, if it is your will, I can do this. And his act of saying, I want to build these holy spaces, these tents, these tabernacles, was actually in line with what God told Moses to do in instructing the Israelites about building a tabernacle for, in which God to reside. So Peter's acting out of this place of faithfulness to say, this is God's radiant power and God's work in this place, and we want to remember it. And it's no coincidence that those other two guest stars in this transfiguration episode are Moses and Elijah. Moses representing the law, Elijah representing the prophets. Each has has their discrete and powerful experiences of transformation, of metamorphosis through faith. 
but it's not over yet. Then this cloud comes around them, right? This glowing white cloud, and a voice booms. This is my son, the beloved. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. The disciples fall to the ground and cover their faces. This is like a 4D experience here, right? You've got the hiking, you've got this vision of amazing people from the Hebrew past. You have a cloud, you have glowing Jesus, and then you have this divine voice. And at this intersection of divine and human things, it gets confusing, it gets overwhelming, it gets overpowering, it gets humbling. So in that moment, it's not hard for me to think, okay, well, yeah, they saw God in the midst of that. But they also saw God when Jesus touched them and said, it's okay, don't be afraid. Because you see, when we see God sometimes in the midst of fear and overwhelmedness, We can't see clearly, and we need someone to be alongside us. None of these people were up on the mountain alone. Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote in his book, Life Together, about Christian community in a time of the world that felt chaotic and overwhelming as World War II was looming. And so Bonhoeffer writes about the importance of telling others about our intersections with the holy, our divine revelations, telling that story when we are deeply affected by the word of God. For it is in sharing of stories of fellow disciples we are reminded, we are refreshed, we are recentered upon the divine word of salvation, of transformation, of changing our lives. And the light that shone on Jesus' face, that gracious light for which is sung in the ancient hymn, the Foss Hilleron, that light in the early church glimmers a bit in us. And so as we wrap up Epiphany and look toward Lent, where do you see God? What are you doing to seek God daily? What am I doing to seek God daily, to intentionally present myself and for you to intentionally present yourself to God so that we may be transformed too? Amen. Standing, let us reaffirm our faith in the words of the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty. 